Ready? Yeah, ready. Hola, como estas? Welcome to another episode of Tequila High Club. On today's show, we have a brilliant tequila where it is come from basically rags to riches and the detailed aroma of this tequila is sensational with a ton of awards. On top of that, we've got one of my buddies here. He's a big king in Melbourne, in the party scene, in the hospitality scene, and he's also expanded here to Bali, and we're going to talk more about that later. But before further ado, Maddie, how are you, bro? Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Mate, it's so great to have you here. Good to be back. Yeah. How's, how's the flying? All good? The nah, flying was easy. It was, um, it was more so I was tired. I was jet lagged. I got the, uh, I snagged the 7 a.m. flight, which means from Geelong, I'm going to get up at, I think it was like 3, 3.30, bed by 1.30, so I only had my little hour and a half. <laughs> but I got a nice nap on the plane, but as I was saying before, I hurt my back on the way uh, uh, like two days before when I got on the plane. So I was just sitting there and I was, yeah, I was pretty fucked for a little while. Yeah. So I couldn't really nap, but uh, I'm into day three here, fly back Sunday. Mm-hmm. So and you got a pretty big week ahead, right? Yeah, on a bucks too. So my best mate, he's uh, who he's the guy I've got a, a place with up the road. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's organised everything. As I was saying before, he's pretty anal. He's organised day trips, night trips, dinners, uh, day clubs for two of, which um, yeah, I'll struggle through. <laughs> One day's good. Yeah. One day's great. But we got two of them booked in. How much tequila do you think you guys are going to have to be having? Oh, I don't know. I'll try to steer up. I don't want a bit of a margarita. So yeah. probably get a couple in there. But um, nah, I'll try to go beer first and then try to play it smart. Beer, a few waters, then a few non-alcoholic drinks, mm-hmm. which is always a smart move. Yeah. And I'm probably the, the only one who does that out of my group. Mm-hmm. They get shit canned for it. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, a, a couple of shots later on, but not too many. Yeah. Just play low key. Yeah. Nice. Leave that for everyone else. All right, so let's um let's get into this tequila. And what do we got? All right, so we've got this Siempre. I hope I pronounce this correctly. Um, this is a plata, so it's like a silver. It's it's the white. Um, a little bit of education on the on the platas. These aren't actually uh put into any aging, so hence why you've got the the white clear. Oh yeah. Uh, Let's take a sip of this and then I'm going to explain why the, the company owner is really interesting to me. So let's take a, uh, take a sip and a, so it, and a smell. It's very early. Let me, let me know what, before we sip it, what, what are you smelling? Wow. There's a, um, trying not to be too cute about it, but. Be as cute as you want, bro. I don't know. It smells very aged. Like, you know, you rip a bottle of tequila open and you can smell it. It's so fucking strong and you kind of don't want it. Like, this is, it's actually quite pleasant. Mm-hmm. It's not too bad. I think, um, yeah, it makes you want to drink it a little bit. As opposed to, for me, most time tequila, as soon as I can smell it, <laughs> I don't want it straight away. It's just something you're doing for fun really quickly. But, right. yeah, invites you in a little bit, I guess. See what the flavors are on your, on your, on your palate now. Yeah, it's good. It's not too sharp. Did you, what flavors do you taste? So as you're as you're trying to get that taste, the smell becomes like the aroma that they've used is obviously agave because it's tequila, mm, mm. but they've got citrus and pepper. Yeah, yeah. And then they've got uh, so an interesting one. Like it smells fruity straight away. Yeah, but not overpowering. You know. You know when someone this this is an interesting aroma that they put in, and I I really want to do more education after this show on how they've kind of managed to do this. But you know when you smell cut grass, mm, mm. 
one of the aromas in here is cut grass. Yeah, that's wild sense. So it's a weird because when you really start to think cut grass and you smell it, you can yeah, actually yeah. S- smell this weird cut grass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the palate, like the taste that they've got, the flavors. It's in. It's in there now that you've said. In it. that. It's now, in there right? now that you've said it. Yeah. For me, it wasn't in at the start, but it's in there. Yeah. And so the the flavors that they've infused in with this, uh, they got they try to put like a little bit of spice at the beginning. It's yeah. like a tiny, tiny bit, and that's because of the cut peppers that they've used within it. Yeah. Okay. And then they've it's like quite a, a bit. It's a bit of a sweet kind of lingering aftertaste, and that's because like they've really infused a yeah. bit of um, agave. You can keep going at this though. Like like I said, for for me tequila, I only have you know one or two with a group of friends, and it's. Mm-hmm. It's like always middle to two thirds way through the night. Yeah. But you could keep drinking this easy. I can. And they've also got some more infusion of like citrus and stuff. So that's kind of like, that's what makes it so easy to really keep sipping. Yeah. I love, I never used to have, um, I never used to have tequila on rocks or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. I used to always have like scotch and everything like that late at night if I want to work late. And now I have tequila on the rock. Yeah. And I still get that kind of like, it still abs me up. The, the big, the big cubes. The big, cubes, a lot of the yeah, cubes. big cubes. That's nice. And then, uh, and then, but then you feel. I feel better in the morning because when you're having good tequila, yeah, uh, it's one of the healthiest. It's actually the healthiest alcohol in the yeah. world. I used to think vodka was the best. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But what I learned is tequila is because in Mexico, you're to be a pure good tequila, you're not supposed to have any preservatives and you're supposed to be fully organic. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So you're not putting any shit into the tequila. So when you start taking good tequila, yep. then the next day you feel really, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so I want to talk a little bit about um, this company. So the company is called Siempe. Uh, this is a silver. Now, the interesting thing about- So good, it's getting better. I know, right? It yeah. It's getting better. Yeah. Um, Legitimately, it's fucking getting better. <laughs> <laughs> the founder is a female, oh, yeah. which I don't hear much of. It's a very- man-driven um, industry and so the female founder is monica sanita yeah and then she's got a couple of co-founders uh which are alex lacroque and chris mata as yeah. well and so they um really got inspired by monica's grandma who was renowned for creating mezcal recipes which is a spin-off of tequila mm. and so they took that got inspired and they started off this company with $9,000 and a credit card. That's fucking wild. Yeah. And so over the years, it's now one of the fastest growing tequilas. In 2017, they won the Consumer Choice Award. Mm. And then they've, like in the last couple of years, they've won about six major awards. One's the San, Fr- San Francisco Spirit Awards, the Las Vegas. Where, where are they based? In the States? No, um, Jalisco. Oh, okay. So everything, everything, every tequila has to be built out of there yep so their distillery that they use is in hillisco they use the okay. yeah um what family is it it's the it's the vivanco family that's right the vivanco family farm the master distiller is sergio cruz and so they use it all out of hillisco that's pretty much where all the tequila is yeah um but yeah so they started with that and the 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 thing i wish they had more on is more of a story on really how they built it. Yeah. You see some of the, the older companies, the ones that started in the 90s and 80s, 
uh, they have this really strong story on really how they got started. And for a company that has grown so quickly. Yeah. How, but, how old is it? They Well, they got the Consumer Choice Award in 2017. They started uh, like around a few years before that. Yeah, yeah. I think 2014 or yeah. 13 or something. Yeah. So for a company to be that young, but getting all these awards, mm. um, I'm really interested to, I've got another one of the tequilas, which will be on the next couple of episodes. It's a Reposado. Um, so that's been aged for, I think, six months. Yeah. So that's going to be really, really smooth. So I'm very interested to see how they're going. But for a non-celebrity alcohol to be growing this fast, it's yep. actually really cool to to really How see. do you rate this one? Because this is like compared to some of the others. So this is, I don't know. This is good. I'm going to have a shot and yeah. gonna see. It's smooth for a, for a silver and for the price point. It's actually fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like it. And like I said, it's hard for me to get over the line with drinking like a lot volume-wise tequila. It's, it's one or two max. Yeah, yeah. But I could drink that and I could have no one easy. And I don't, <laughs> I don't know where it's coming from. Speaking of having another one, let's smash your shot, bro. Yeah, I'm glad it's with orange too. Cheers. Cheers, man. Cheers. Now, I did mention to you like we were both saying before the show, how good orange and with a shot comes about. I'm only new to it though. I literally found this out nine months ago, maximum. Really? Yep. Where yep. did you Where did you first learn about it? One of my mates who he travelled like he was in South America for a, like a long time. Yeah. I was with him at a bar um, for a friend's birthday, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Let's do it with orange." And I was like, "Fuck it, why not?" Yeah. I didn't even think about it and it was easily the best thing ever and it was palatable like with the with the lemon like i said most of the time i'll steer away from uh from having volume of tequila like it's one or two max mm-hmm. but you could sit on two or three of them four or five like just with the orange though but no one's having it every time i have it i bring out an orange everyone's like what the fuck is this yeah. and it's the better way to go and as soon as you have it they go oh. it makes the whole uh I don't know, the thought process of having it, it's not so uh, sharp when you're drinking it. I have no idea. This is another thing. Like, I mean, I love this, having this show because I get to like think about other shit, right? And uh, I didn't see, did you put together? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't watch her. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Oh, that's good. Um, I really want to know where the hell uh, people got the idea of putting lemon with the tequila. You should find that out. It's definitely. It's a fucking backwards thing to do. Whoever done it should just like be sentenced to jail for like, for like, because it's the lemon and tequila has no existence with each other because yeah. most killers, they, a lot of the flavor is they put citrus into it. Mm. So, but citrus orange, like citrus peel, not yeah. lemon. Yeah. There's it's t- just far too acidic. Like it hits you. Wait. And, and then the salt hits you and then the shot hits you yeah. and then the fucking the lemon's the worst. You can't eat, you can't have a lemon on its own ever. Yeah. So out of 10, what would you rate this tequila? For tequila itself, because like I said, I'm, um, I only go through, I will have two max mm-hmm. for me. So I'm not drinking, um, like I'll enjoy a marg. Mm-hmm. Uh, a good marg is nice. I try to go away from spicy. It's a long story, but I can't have any spicy foods uh-huh. at all. Okay. Like I'll like my sinuses just blow up. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Story for another time. But, um, so I don't have, I always only have about one or two at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, that Garzador is, is, is what everyone's kind of got. Or 1800. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much about it. So I'll have a couple of them a night and then steer on to my beers or yeah. vodka or whatever. Sometimes I have a half strength yeah. shot in a vodka. Mm-hmm. 
which everyone bags out. But I don't mind having, if you have like 30 mils of vodka for the entire night and you end up getting, I don't know, let's say eight to 12 of them, like majority of people are fucked mm. by the end of the night. Like, I don't think your body can keep up with 30 mils of alcohol. Like I see it all the time. Yeah. Um, so I go, I'll trim back during the middle parts of the night, like the back half. And I'll start having half strength vodka. Yeah. You know, the, the people are just drinking for the sake of it at the end of the night. Yeah. So, and I feel uncomfortable if I don't have a drink, or like even like mimic it now. If I don't have a drink, I'm just sitting here like this. I feel uncomfortable as fuck. You're so like, you always, my hands. oh, always. So you have to have one when you're out. Yeah. So I'm always having a drink, but you're just drinking for the sake of it at some points in the night if you're out with friends and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, you've already had your fun and you just try not to feel awkward. Mm -hmm. So I'll go through a stage where I have three or four half-strength vodkas, no question. Um, and then I feel like reasonably in good nick the next day. And also a little bit of control when you're out. You want to be, I feel like, you want to be um, remembering everything you're doing, having positive conversations, great night out. It's not about the alcohol, it's about the experience, blah, blah, blah. And if you're just drinking, you know, 25 standard drinks at 30 mils of alcohol yeah. like it's, it's going to get you at, at the end of the night yeah so, so for 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 scoring it um i would say a, a, a nine not nine point one okay because like i said because for me the times that i'm having my tequila and again I'm, my background um i just haven't experienced enough variety of tequila so i'm having this and it's marginally more enjoyable than the times when I'm out just smashing one straight away with a, like I said, salt, and then you've got your yeah. fucking lemon at the end of it. Yeah. So I enjoy that. But what I found when I was drinking at the start, I was like, all right, it's five o'clock and we're having a tequila the first bit. Yeah. And it smelled good pre, and then the second one, and then the third sip, and then it's like you're on. You could, no, no shit, you could keep drinking it and drinking mm -hmm. it. Yeah. If I had like a little bit of ice on that, yeah. uh, I could sit on that for ages easily. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah quite enjoyable but this is fucking good too yeah but this is really good yeah like oj is so my homie who we came up with this idea of tequila high class four years ago um and he uh seven years ago that seven years ago got me onto tequila and orange juice because he would always get it mm. and i'm like what are you i fucking never ordered one i've never ordered one ever and yeah. since then bro all i do is tequila orange. Yeah. what do you what do you wake what do you wake up like good sick actual i mean if i have a whole bottle it's a bit different <laughs> but like if i have like you know eight, eight to ten drinks i still wake up pretty sweet like yeah yeah it's like it's when i start smashing a whole bunch of other stuff yeah. and i get a little bit like shitty in the morning but yeah. i cool up really easily yeah so but it's um yeah it's good so let's let's go into your background bro because i let's let's jump into the story of of maddie uh so where are you from? Because what you're doing now, you've you've got your hands in a lot of pies, and you've great you created like some pretty cool empires, man. So so where are you from originally? Have you always been from Geelong? Uh, and sort of take us through like how you've got to you know having these hospitality venues and and to where yeah, you're I'll give you like a little synopsis. Like firstly, like I've got a fucking really good team. Um, I've got there's uh, there's four of us, team of four. Um, and if I go back from a bit of a backstory, I grew up in a like really, really small like, country town. So we had like, there's like 500 people <laughs> with one, one servo. No, the service station closed down halfway through when I was living there, but I was like nine. I remember that closing down. One shop, pub, did have two pubs down to one and then a footy club. Um, so that was cool. Like, love that. You could do, uh, it creates like a good sense of independence. You do what, whatever you want at 
12, 13 years of age. Your yeah. parents just like, they knew where you were, whose house you were at. They knew the people um, that were friends with the birthday, of the person you were going with and their dad and their parents and whatnot. So you could kind of, uh, you know, do what you like at a young age and enjoy your company with your friends without getting kind of told off, if that made sense. So yeah. you grew up really, really fast, which was cool. Um, and I enjoyed that. But I always knew when I was living at home, I loved home and I love my friends there and my my mum's there and my dad's still there. Um, but I just knew, fuck, I just couldn't live there. It's just mm -hmm. something I just couldn't do. So I was... That's country Victoria, right? Yeah. So it's near... Um, from Melbourne, it'd be like an hour and 45 east of Melbourne, right? It's near Traralgon. Okay, yep. Very, very, very small. Like, there's a heap of small communities around Traralgon. Quite cool. Um, everyone kind of links up um, in Traralgon for dinners or late night stuff. There's not much you can do in your town. Yeah. Um, so you're up to mischief or you're playing football, kind of one of the two. Um, but yeah, when I was uh, 19, I was trying to pursue a bit of football path, you know, career type stuff. And uh, so I moved to Geelong. My partner at the time, she was uh, she was enrolled at Deakin University in Geelong. And I was trying to grow my football background and whatnot. Um, so I wasn't fucking good enough, but I had to go. Um with, with Port Melbourne, which was North Melbourne's um, reserves team uh, at the time, back then, and moved to Geelong. Um, then we, we ended up splitting up, um, which was fine. Still good friends now. And I'd stayed living there because I loved it. It was sort of like a mini Melbourne, but um, way more accessible to get down the beach and not as many people, which I didn't like a lot of people because my town was 500 people. I could never live in Melbourne um, back then. Uh, I can now and I've got a room up there now, but back then, fuck no just too big mm -hmm. so chose Geelong loved that and then just stayed there and then uh done a, a few jobs and um did a little bit of teaching went to uni um done youth work and then always I don't know I think everyone has these thoughts and ideas you think about doing something a little bit more than what you're doing mm -hmm. I mean everyone's got those ideas and thoughts uh it's just whether or not you're lucky enough for them to eventuate um so I was with my ex and I was like fuck it I just wanted to do something um, more than what I was doing, whatever that was, who knows? And she had heaps of experience in, um, hospitality. Mm -hmm. So we're like, fuck it. We'll get this, I'll withdraw some money out of the house that I had and we'll get this, um, this blank space, which my friend had as a frozen yogurt store before that, Thought we'll do a cafe. And she knew how to work at a cafe. And I was like, I can, fuck, I can build it and you can show me how to run it operation wise. Cause she worked there and it's all pretty straightforward, mm -hmm. you know, two out the front one chef out the back, maybe kitchen and max. We'll build it, see how we go. So we did that. It was painful as fuck. Um, didn't make much money, but learnt how to work off a small budget and mm -hmm. learn all things business um, firsthand rather than getting taught it or waiting to understand it. Um, so did that for, that was three years. It was a good business, um, but just very tricky to make money off cafe mm -hmm. unless you're in that banging spot. Uh, at, at the time, were you thinking that this is a good learning experience? It was the best thing in the world yeah. by far. Fuck. Um, and the fact that we weren't really well off early in it was perfect because your budgeting was really good and yeah. you're... You don't go out and spend it. Yeah. Money, and I think your work ethic and your hustle and your blueprint on what a business could look like is was really good because it was hard to make every dollar like we were trying to upsell, you know, a small coffee to a large or just getting a second coffee after the first or adding an extra egg onto a smashed avocado, like all those sort of things. Um, how, how would you, like, what were some of the things that 
you kind of did to be able to do that upsell was there anything like did you have kind of like coupon cards or did you just like always just like no we did uh, it was it was hard we we pretty much we fucked up everything you could um in terms of learning process you try it get it wrong and then do it right try something get it right do that again yeah um so there was a lot of um to and fro really really early and just trialing and airing and and how how you're going to make a really good day one thing we did was we ran a which was a segue into um the bar scene was we thought fuck it we'll do functions Mm -hmm. so i started running like i had an engagement and i made in that engagement i made the entire week's worth of wage and i was like fuck like hang on there's there's something in this we should try to run a few more of these or whatever then we ran a party Mm-hmm. and that worked really well and i just went hammer and tong and got the exact same people in and run a fucking party the next saturday night uh then i contacted a guy i knew and i was like i had no experience in alcohol i literally and we fucked it like it was so bad we just had bottles everywhere <laughs> i had a friend who was a bartender he didn't know what the fuck he was doing either giving away free drinks there's water and um alcohol and stuff everywhere all over the floor we had no buses no glass collectors no 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 people who knew how to make cocktails it was just a it was a party in a cafe late at <laughs> night, and, but we were making money. Yeah. Um, and then I contacted my friend. And he ran like a really big nightclub, one of Victoria's biggest nightclubs. It was is in Geelong. He ran that for like five years. And I asked him a bunch of questions because I knew he knew what he was doing. Um, and he sent me over an email anyways. He's like, you could do this, this, and this. Have a think about a couple of these things. And then I think it was like an hour later, he called me back and he's like, there's a fucking bar up the road. Literally, do you want to go have a look at it? And I was like, fuck it, why not? And I went down there and had a look. Um, and my chef at the time, he was like, he was a good friend of mine now. And he's like, fuck it, just go buy it. Go get it. And it was a, a well-priced place that um, it was only, it had a lease for three years. So no one wanted it because obviously you put your money in, mm. buy it, put your money into Renault, build it, yeah. build it up. And then, you know, you're only going to recoup money in three to four years anyways if you're doing really well. Um, so no one wanted it. So we went in and, me and Dean are like, fuck, we'll go do it. And he knew what he was doing, right? So I was happy to work really hard with him, uh, but he knew uh, alcohol and hospitality fucking way more than I did. His shit's on me, um, especially then. So we're like, fuck it, let's just do it. And we yeah, built this place that no one wanted, got an extra business partner, which is one of our other friends as well. And he ran like a late night venue in Geelong as one night, it was called Uno. And they were really good in what they did. So he jumped on board and then I was like, fuck it, we'll get a, one of the AFL boys who we knew who's an absolute legend, beautiful guy, and got a good following because he's a he played a lot for Geelong. Um, and then we went as a team of four and just just went as hard as we could. But it, I guess looking back, we never thought it would get as big as it did as quickly. Mm-hmm. Like it was one week we did like four weeks worth of sales that I would do at a cafe and I almost cried. I was like, and then I spoke to Dean and he was like, that's shit. Like that's shit, <laughs> Compared to what he did when he was managing a fucking nightclub, yeah. that's 950 people, 5 a.m. license. Like, you can do, yeah, phenomenal amounts of money. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, this is good. Like, and then the next weekend rolled around, we did a little bit more, and then it went wacko, wacko, wacko. And then, yeah, our landlords are like, you guys are doing well. Let's give you a 20 year lease if you want it. Like, we'll, we'll triple your rent overnight, uh, make it more expensive, but you can have this place for 20 years. And we're like, fuck, done. Mm-hmm. Like, signed up straight away. Um, and then, so it was, it was very like super lucky. Everyone says that luck's not a thing, but it is like timing. There you go for a better word. Timing was perfect. It's in the perfect part of Geelong. 
on the perfect side of the road, like can, left or right can depict whether you're busy or not. Um, this is an interesting thing that, I mean, from a Chinese verb is, uh, they have this saying where everything's about timing, right? But at the same time, it's like the opportunist because you guys took a leap of faith on this three-year deal and went to go and do it. Yeah. And no one wanted it, not a fucking single person. Yeah. There was other venue owners in Geelong who knew about it and they wouldn't touch it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a little bit of luck, definitely timing, but just happy to launch in as three young lads. And if we didn't make money in three years, we didn't, which that's our risk. And I guess looking back, it is a bit more serious than you think. If we had lost out, we would have lost a portion of our houses probably because they're on the line, like the the directors are, are guarantors with everything. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it superseded what we thought it would do. Um, then we extended a lease and then just got hungrier and then we saved up a little bit and then another venue popped up, which we were kind of looking, but again, it was just about an opportunity. So what's the venue you're talking about? So that's called the Inn Hotel. That was our first, first business. When did you launch that? That was 2016. Okay. Yep. And it's like our baby, like we... It's 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 an older building, shit breaks in it, mm-hmm. but we fucking love it. Like it's <laughs> it's our first business, so yeah. we worked yeah day and night on that for until we got it open. And and I reckon it holds a good place in everyone's heart in Geelong because a lot of people have had birthdays. It's been going for seven years now. A lot of people have had birthdays, and mm-hmm. um, it's an easy place to go to have drinks before you would go out if you were going out. A good meetup spot. Yeah, perfect spot for that. Um, but yeah, then the opportunity to come up with Geelong Hotel, which is a venue that's over the other side of town. A notoriously like a super super hard venue to run in Geelong. Like, I think they had like I think it was six, no five owners in six and a half years. Um, wow, that's yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah. So what? we were the we were the um, we were the fifth. Yeah. What were the reasons uh, why you know like what well, that's like <sighs> I don't know a mixture of like a mixture of like I think it's a tricky venue because it's it's large, like it's nine fifty capacity five AM license. So like for around the alcohol license alone would be huge, right? The licenses aren't too bad. Everyone thinks that, you know, 24, 25 grand a year. That's more like a lease. Yeah. So it's just spaces. If spaces are massive, like you can go to a venue and everyone's like, fuck, this venue's pumping. It's got 200 people in it just because it's small. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, you go to a venue that holds a thousand and it's got 200 and everyone will say there's no one there. It's just about the size of the venue, I think. Um, and this venue's fucking huge. Mm-hmm. Like it's ridiculously big. It's divided up into four spaces, bistro. Florence Bar, which is a bar area we created, like neon light, and then a rooftop, and then the inside area, which is we call it the band room, mm-hmm. which that gets a little bit um, um, kind of busier late at night with activations like bands or you know big function or the late night trade, which is like the nightclub area. Mm-hmm. I hate the word nightclub, but um, trades later into five a.m. Um, but I think yeah, I think it's just. It's in a harder spot in town. It's over the other side. That's the only venue that trades late on that street. Two main streets in Geelong going down towards the water and it's on one side. Mm. Uh, everything else is over the other side. So getting people to walk uphill over that side, I think that's probably what the previous owners had felt. Um, and we felt it as well. I, we bought that and thought we could make it work because we made the other one work. And it was like, no, you fucking can't. Like It took us, I think, nine months to get that busy. Um and it was fucking hard nine months. Nine months of like sometimes zero customers on a Saturday night with DJs and security guards and you're there waiting to see if anyone would come in. Wow. Hard, hard time. Yeah. So what made the what made the shift? Um, we ended up doing we did really well off like because we all play sport in Geelong. So inviting big groups over who were playing sport, offering them a whole space. 
um, you have your football um, and you're playing a Saturday, come over, you've got a space, you guys can come in and drink. We've got entertainment. Did the AFL player from Geelong, still, he partnered into this? Same, same, um, yep, same shareholders yep. went over. Okay. Um, and it was more like the hosting over and over again. So you guys have a big group of 25 people or whatever. We'll give you a discount entry. We know who you are. Getting good groups in booking big functions in as well so somebody's got a 30th great they'll have that there and then you have three of them uh and at 10 30 you've got other groups coming over and at that point in time when they walk over they'll see what would be hopefully if there's engagements or 30th a classier crowd and sometimes they might not even be sure what they're there for mm -hmm. um they might just think that they're drinkers but the venue's full with those sort of people and trying to make it not going against the grain a little bit trying to make it not a nightclub like i think nightclub um it's fucking hard to make work consistent nightclub for years ours was what we wanted business model was like late night busy bar so you can have cocktails there's still djs great a lot of fun but it's not going to be music and what year was this sorry that was 12 months after we bought the inn so that was 2017 okay cool yeah yeah oh sorry 2000 and yeah 2018 actually yeah okay. yeah so then had that and we finally got it busy and it took, yeah, nine months. We didn't think we were going to do it. And then nine months of hard work, got it open. Um, the renos were good, a little bit quiet. And then that nine month time hit. And then um, we started charging door entry and it just kind of went through the roof from there, getting, you know, 1500 plus there Saturday night. Obviously everyone's paying to come in, um, booking good DJ acts and, Still finding our feet on the spaces and how it works with so many people in there, but we had that for four and a half years. Um, then going through now a um, a bit of a change with the band room area. Um, it got quiet like after January this year. So we're like, okay, let's just close that space down, renovate it, make it more uh, like cocktail loungy. Still have events, but more cocktail loungy. You can have functions there. You could have 250 people there on a fucking... Um, boutique after party for a wedding whatever mm -hmm. um so doing that now as opposed to doing so much club but we can still have events so there's still a big stage there so we had setmo play uh three weeks ago mm -hmm. and then bag raiders we've got playing uh, next weekend um wannabook hayden james october hopefully um probably shouldn't have let that one out <laughs> but yeah keep that one under the hat but um yeah so doing that there in that space and that that's been working well still less volume than what we used to have because it was so much of a it was more trending towards that nightclub but we're happy where where it is at the moment for sure um and then saved up a couple of bucks then and bought and this is kind of our i guess end project bought um 12 acres in um i don't know do you know ocean grove at all it's out the back of so if you go past geelong there's a, a little area, Ocean Grove. It's just before there and it's really close. It's like a winery precinct in Geelong. Um, we just bought 12 acres there to do a brewery and distillery at. Mm -hmm. um, I fucking no idea how to brew beer, but my business partner there. You had a drink it, bro. <laughs> yeah, I'll fuck. Well, hopefully we've got enough, uh, enough skin in the game. My business partner, he's got a... They're selling their own beer out of another bar that he's bought. So he'll um we'll we'll lean on him heavily to work that out but be able to have weddings and stuff like that and the big thing is we own the land like any most of the people who own bars don't own the land it's too expensive yeah so yes at the end of the day that land can only just go up in value so. yeah yeah so we rent it off ourselves 
Um, so we're just in the process of building that. We've been slow with it, but we've got it. 12 acres. Um, it's already got a wicked Airbnb on it, a shed. So it's it's exciting for us because it's going to be something that we'll do in the latter part of our lives that's a little bit easier. You know, book a wedding Friday, Saturday, an event. Um, I think yeah. you can throw some mad, you can do a proper mad festival party there. Yeah, and boutique stuff. Yeah, boutique like, shit. Yeah, because it's not, it's not like it's 20 or 30 acres, it's 12 acres, a couple of nice paddocks. It's already amphitheater, one of them. Um, so yeah, that's exciting. And then I guess the venues being, having good timing with that has given us a, the platform we needed to go and do something like that because it was quite expensive. Um, we would never have been able to afford it and save ourselves. None of us are well off. Um, well, Corey, AFL player, is pr- probably going all right. I haven't, asked, <laughs> I haven't asked him fucking financially how he's going, but... Yeah. What's what's the New Year's like in Geelong? Oh, yeah. fuck. Hit and miss. There's Beyond the Valley. Uh, I don't know whether you know that music festival. That's yeah. like Victoria's biggest music festival. That's just moved out to... Um, it's like 10, 15 k's out of Geelong now. Most people go to that. Mm-hmm. Like, I won't even open one of our venues. Um, well, we won't open one of our venues in Geelong. Just open yeah. a late-night venue. Yeah. Is yeah. there an opportunity for you guys to... I mean, if everyone goes there, like they've obviously got all the biggest artists. Like, Tickets, yeah. You could link in and try to get one of their artists to play afterwards. But they've already got exclusivities. Like it's even hard to discuss things around that time of the year. Like most of them don't play, from what I know, don't play, you know, a month either side. Um, just because if one of the headliners, like Dom Dollar's playing, um, someone could see him a month before. And then they go, well, I already saw him. I don't want to buy tickets to BTV. Yeah. I don't think that's actually how it works out, but they just, they don't really play. Is um, Hot Tub uh, Wine Machine in Victoria as well? Yeah. Yeah. Unreal. Where is that played? They were playing, they did a, um, they did a thing at, fuck, where is it called? It's in the Yarra Valley. Mm. But they did, I went to that. It was called Grapevine. They always, yeah, because we, like, in Australia, well, in um, Australia, we were talking about Australia, in Perth, where I'm from, mm. uh, in the Swan Valley, they do- Did you go and watch them? They, yeah, they do- How fucking good are they? It's, it was one of the most insane- They're sick. Yeah. yeah. Taking us through from, like, the 1920s yep. way through. Yep. And then all the other artists that come with it as well. Um, but, like, they, they seem to only predominantly do it in wine districts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is well. Which is, yeah, there was hot hot tub time machine, and then they think they called a hot tub wine machine at, yeah. at one of them, which was at this place where they have grapevine music festival. Yeah, same with ours. But it was lit. Like it's yeah. fucking really cool. And I'd never watched them before, yeah. so I didn't think them playing reruns of other music, yeah, you know, would be that exciting for me. You have the video as well, but it fucking goes off. So cool. Yeah, girls love it. They're like, oh, yeah. my favorite song go on the eighties, nineties. And then when it gets to like the nineties and two thousands hip hop, you just see all the girls just twerking. Yeah, you're like, yeah. Hey. And you say, oh, I recognize this music, but before I fucking didn't. Yeah. Can you how how big is the capacity at your the new the um, bar? Uh, sorry, the distillery. Oh well, that would like we're still going through our licensing at the moment. So we have a license where we can run functions and stuff like that. So um, that's unlimited capacity. So we'll do events, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Um, we'll get our 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 brand and our product and try to get that right. And then that would be a good, not exit strategy. Like we don't know whether we're going to keep the venues forever, or short term, buy the lease, buy the free olds. Like we don't know, but that'll be something we do later. And it's only early stages, but it would be exciting having for us good platform of those two businesses a stepping stone to then own what would be hopefully a really nice brewery um distillery and we can make our own product there Mm -hmm. 
and then sell it throughout the venues um, to ourselves. Yeah, um, and that then, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, which would be quite cool. Well, ex- explain that tr- strategy because that's like that's well, a big direct marketing to ourselves, and we would be able to use our own customers to then allow them to try it. And you can only put it in front of them, um, but we're, yeah, yeah, for sure. But we're only um, we're already you would already be a step ahead of other people, not so much sales wise, but just being able to expose your product to other people and see if they would um, be interested in trying it. And then you get a bit of brand um, crossover and people can go, oh, well, I can book my wedding out there. I know that alcohol, I've had that. Or um, just a little bit more exposure. I think it would work really well. But again, it's just fucking trialing it. But we're well, we're well ahead of someone else who goes in and goes, look, I'm going to start up this beer. Can I put it in your bar? Um, you'd have to have those conversations with the, the owners and they'd have to go, well, is that a good idea having this beer in there? We'll just put it in there and then give it to... Cheers, bro. Chill out. Thanks, man. So is this, this is number four, mm-hmm. essentially? Yep. Yeah, I mean, number one was a, like one of your half little... Uh, yeah, yeah. So three and a half. Okay. I'm going to, it's early for me. <laughs> I mean, just do... But whatever. <laughs> I've been seeing um, a, a distillery or brewery, like, so like you go to... WA, Western Australia, and you go south and you have the entire wine country. Yeah. And every single brewery that has gone there, there's not one that hasn't failed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yep. then you go to the Swan Valley, which is in Perth, like in the hills, again, there's not one that's ever gone south. And yeah. It's very interesting. I think with your experience in understanding people, culture, running the business in general, and with your four partners, Pretty sure your distillery will be something you're in. You guys will just click on. I think that's yeah. Look, ho- ho- hopefully it'll be one arm of a business. Um, again, the, the the breadwinner would be, um, for a better sense, paying the bills. Would be we're running it as a venue where you can book out as a wedding as well, mm-hmm. um, which could they're quite expensive. Yeah, as you know. Um, so do that, have your alcohol there, then the alcohol is a small component of it, which will be quite fun, but a little bit of branding and putting it in our venues and just be something nice we can do for ourselves um, as a small extra part of the business. And people like going there. Like you're not going to, I mean, you're not going to book it. You, some people will book weddings at, um, you know, just a nice piece of land, mm-hmm. but having an alcohol component there, it's going to help. Um, will it be the cornerstone of the business being that, it's a branded um, bottle of alcohol and people know that. And then they go there and book their wedding. Probably not. Um, but again, hopefully it's something where people can go and enjoy a space and the alcohol complements it and all works together. But we're just still feeling our way through it and we're not experts fucking at all. We're just having a, just trying to have a good crack, I guess, as, as four of us working together. Yeah. Mm. So you've got all that going in Australia and then... Now over here in Bali, you now have Villa Verde. Yeah, yeah. So when did you purchase? You didn't? Did you build that villa? Yeah, we built that. Uh, so that was pretty funny. We did. That? We did that. I think we because it's so long ago now. Just because COVID makes everything feel like it was years ago. <laughs> um, I think we we put the money down for that. I think in 2018 started building. It was a longer build, which is fucking funny. It ended up getting rented. First week it got rented, I'm pretty sure, was the week before COVID. Mm-hmm. And um, then COVID hit seven days later and we couldn't even see it yeah. for two years. <laughs> so were you over here Yeah, during COVID? Yeah, the whole time. Well, I, was, I went What back. was that like? Sick, dude. 
But like I fucking heard it was like a ton. The ghost, like one, bro. Yeah, hundred percent. If we if the if the world has a pandemic ever again, y'all need to just come to Bali, man. If you can't get in, let me know. Yeah. We'll sort you out with getting in, we'll yeah. get some stuff together. But like, like me, bro. Like for me to get to Uluwatu, like so now for everyone watching, Uluwatu is the south of Bali. To get there now in a car can take you two two and a half hours because of traffic i get there in an hour on my bike yeah that's right f- fucking firing it i got there on my bike my record is 25 minutes yeah it's fucked and so i used to be able to go surf everywhere there's no yeah. way the waves all us crew it brought the community together which was yeah. cool because we all the like, some of the venues or pretty much everything like the big ones had to shut down yeah yeah, yeah. um but then we started doing villa parties yeah so then everyone started hanging out what was the so fucking exciting for me to even think about what was the restrictions like like could you do shit could you go okay here's his restrictions so uh and obviously laws are yeah you know can be so everything had to shut at 11 right and then, so all the big venues that fuck it's so interested in this as well. All the nightclubs had like shut down because yeah. they couldn't operate because they all pretty much get busy at like 12 ones. So yeah. That was a no go. But the bars started having um, like little private parties and smaller parties. And then they kind of tried to shut down like, okay, restaurants had to shut at nine. It was real weird. And then I think then open up to 11. But it only really started like, it only really lasted for like a few months. Yeah. But then they closed, there was one period where for like six to eight weeks or something, they closed everything like beaches and stuff and you couldn't even go surf. So what I was doing, I was driving. Was, was there other people that were like you that were from Oz that were here? Heaps, but all, like, all our crew were. Yeah. It was fucked back at home. Like yeah, you no, would know. You guys, you guys are fucked. And not, not in WA. No, like they didn't even, no, they, was, they didn't get a taste of it. Yeah. But you guys got fucked hard. So here I... Yeah, so here I would I would go six a.m. leave my house yeah. and I'd go surf at the airport rates. And so there's a for everyone again watching. Um, there's a wicked few waves out of the airport, like right in in the sea of Bali. And so I would go down there. And what police would do is that they would roadblock, and then I would rock up to the roadblock, and then I'd give them I'd show them my ID card, my Indonesian ID card. I say I'm going to work, and then. Um, they'd be like, okay, cool. But I had my surfboard on. <laughs> and then I'd go to the airport reef. Funny. And I'd go see the locals and they'd take me out on the boat and send me out and I'd go surf for three hours. Yeah, true. And then police would come at 8 a.m., making sure, like, you know, doing their checks. And then I'd c- get picked up and I'd come back at 10. Ooh. And so I was surfing every single day with like two people out, mm. perfect waves, having the best time of my life, then going home. And like the, the police and like the military, they were just kind of doing their job. But overall, like I spoke to like a lot of them. Um, and one of them was like, why do you have a surfboard? I'm like, to be honest, I'm going for a surf. Mm, mm. And they're like, they didn't really do anything. Oh, okay. Mm. Right. And so it was kind of like everyone has been pressured to do something. But the community here was just trying to, we were trying to abide by all like, you know, the government laws and yeah. you know, the local laws and be like, yeah. okay, cool. How can we still have a good time? Yeah. And that's where the villa parties came in. We started throwing some really cool parties and just like all of us coming together. We had to have the Banja, which again, for everyone watching, Banja is a local village, um, basically the local police. And so they would have to be at our um, villas and then just make sure we're not partying too 
like like we'd have to shut off music at 11. Mm. There was one villa that was having a good time where we ended up getting a bunch of uh, silent disco headphones. So we had to shut the music off at 11. Smart. But then we put all these on. There was still like 50 to 60 of us, like yeah. friends, and we're like having this sick sound, um, like silent disco party. So we still got to have a good fun. Yeah. Um, and then overall, but I had come back from Thailand. I was in Thailand with an ex and this was like in 2000 and I think 19, just before. That was when it, it hit? Just before oh, just it hit. Before, yeah. And we were getting like, I was like, my she was getting messages from my mom saying like, there's like people eating bats and shit. Uh, like, like, um, like, your mom's crazy. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the airport and there's guys in hazmat suits and what the fuck is going on? And so when I got back to Bali, she left and then I was going to go see family for four weeks and then I had to be back because I had to sign new papers for our, um, our real estate development company. Yeah. And so when I went there, four weeks and then the world went to shit and then Australia shut the borders. Mm. And then so I had at that time a, a niece who was 10 months old and you know families everything and then I also had my girlfriend at the time so I made the decision I could still run my other business remotely mm. the one that I was talking to yeah, you yeah, before yep, yep. so I ended up staying in Perth for 10 months yep. but we had locked down for 6 weeks yep. and then the rest of it we had fucking parties everything no, we had zero COVID for like 12 months we struggled to get like I remember ours was down to I think it was like 2Ks radius you could go for exercise you guys were crazy and that was for that, that was for the better part of two years. Yeah, man. Like, which is a fucking long time. Yeah. How'd that go with your businesses then? Oh, it was fucked. Yeah. You guys. I mean, one one time, I think when we closed at the start, one time we got a check for three grand and one for five because one was bigger. And that was at about two months. Mm-hmm. And then obviously you had to make everyone partially redundant. Um, but the issue was you're still paying a portion of your rent. Your rent doesn't stop. That was what every business felt. So it's more like a game of how much money do you have in the bank and still paying your insurance um, and then you'll pay out um, everyone's annual leave because they're all taking it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just more about how much finances, I think, for most businesses, um, I think I'd be right when I'm saying it, most businesses, how much money they had to survive that. Mm. And I, I think i'd be right in saying it like a lot of businesses don't just keep cash there they grab it and put it into something else which works for them yeah they're not just saving and saving and putting under a fucking mattress so if something like that comes along it's like okay well if this lasts for two years and my rent's two hundred thousand dollars um that's four hundred thousand over two years so i've got to find two hundred thousand dollars just out of nowhere to pay the rent for that and that's only one expense Mm -hmm. um You've got your wages, your insurance, your subscriptions, your licensing. Actually, licensing was waived. But there's so many costs that are around and you just keep paying them each week and your bank account just fucking declines till you look at your business partners going, well, fuck, if this goes on for another six months, we're like, we're done. Yeah. And there was a lot of other people that obviously would have struggled before that, six months, three months. Mm-hmm. Like if I'd had the cafe and that happened, I would have been done in a week or two because it was just such a light kind of business. It was week to week, which is fine. Yeah. But hard times for everyone. Anyone who got out the other side of it, like hats off to them mm. and innovated and did takeaway or stuff like that. Like it was such a, a a time of, you know, people grouping together and just trying to make it work as best as they could. Um, and then everyone's home life looked a lot different, you know, go to work, uh, come home and stay at home 
and that was the fucking slogan of yeah. I don't know whether that was a Victorian thing, but it was on our Snapchat and everything. Your, your, your Instagram, sorry, fucking stay at home, and people would swipe across stay at home. It was forcing people into thinking that's a good idea is just to be at home and that will help everything. Yeah. Um, then for the better part of two years, that's what everyone legitimately did. Like, I don't know too many people who said, fucking I'm going and I'm going to go and I will go camping this weekend and I'll break all the laws and I'll stay out there with five of us. Like, that wasn't a thing. Uh, no. I just, everyone in Victoria, like it was so in our faces, like everyone... Most people did the right thing. I went on one camper trip with a group of lads and we were like um, petrified that we were going to get, like if the police heard about it, we were fucked. And that's the way that we kind of viewed it. Everyone did the right thing literally in Victoria that I knew. Yeah. A few house parties and people thought that was rogue as fuck. Yeah, everyone was like, yeah. Like I went to a house party once and there was seven of us there and the cops rocked up and this is no shit. We're out the back at probably 2.30 a.m., something like that, and music cranked, not a good scenario. <laughs> um, copping a lot of heat like with this music, and then the police came in, and um, we all ran upstairs. Um, so there was, okay, I think there was seven or eight of us, can't, can't really remember. Um, we all ran upstairs when the police come in. They came in the back door, and I literally ran past them. And I was like, fuck, I've left my wallet, phone and everything on the table. So I ran back down past the police. They're shining a torch at me. Ran back upstairs to find a spot to hide because it was a $5,000 fine yeah. for breaking the law. And I ran upstairs and all the hiding spots are done. <laughs> like fucking done. I'm like, fuck. And I'm running around like these people have found all the best spots and I'm looking for a good spot and I find someone in like, fuck, go around. And the cops are coming up the stairs. I'm, I'm fucked. And then I go in the wardrobe. And I jump in the wardrobe next to this big dude. And I'm like, Mitch, what the fuck are you doing here? Like, you live here. <laughs> Get the fuck out of my hiding spot, bro. Uh, no, boot, boot him out so I can actually have a nice little comfy spot and I don't get in trouble or whatever. But, um, and the, the boys, like, luckily didn't get a fine for that. Um, you could have your girlfriend over and that's what they explained it happened. But that was, out of two years, that was one of the most probably roguest things we done, mm-hmm. um, which obviously isn't uh, having drinks with your friend at 2.30 a.m., a group of seven people, you know, isn't that bad. But that's probably where the scenario was in Victoria, that that was seen as really fucking rogue, which gives you an idea on how bad it was yeah. um, for the wider community there. Okay. So... Yeah, I was there for 10 months and like just watching you guys like go through that shit. One of the craziest things is why I like, I have no interest in living back in Australia ever. I go back there, see friends and family. Fucking hate Australia because of this reason. So Australia has always been like, you know, the underdog and kind of like it's a free country and this type of shit, right? Then when I, when it was time for me to leave the country and I had to go back to Bali because I had to sign a bunch of new, like, papers right yeah. for our company and then i also had to meet my other business partner from my other company uh in mexico because that's where he was at the time and so i had to then make a um what's it called like had to um had to write a form to the government to get to be allowed to leave or something like that i forgot, forgot what it's called anyway so i put in the details and then i sent it through right i get it um 
24 hours later, I get a response. No, you can't leave the country because like some, some, some reasons. And I was like, for, for being a resident in another country or for yeah, like leaving for work and, and I was just not allowed to leave. Even though I had like my, I've got like a permanent residency here. Okay, yeah. And then, but I was like, what the fuck? And then I called my lawyer up here and I was like, yo, we need to write a huge legal letter mm. saying one, I need to be back here. Two, like, and, and then we had to then send all our documentation, my fucking address here, mm. my legal, my everything to my company. And then I sent it back to them. They're like, oh, okay, now you can go. And I'm like, when I first got that letter saying, no, you can't leave, mm. I felt I had no power or yeah. control of my life that yeah. these fucking losers who sit in an office and talk shit across another room in parliament together yeah. make the rules for me for my fucking life. I was like, when you guys can't even run a fucking country yourself. Yeah. And I, at that point, I was just like, fuck Australia, man. I thought Australia was the best country in the world. I yet. thought before COVID, we were goated. And then when I saw you guys, what you guys went through, I was like, fuck this country, man. Yeah. Fuck yeah. you and your little politics yeah. shit. So out of that, and then, so I booked my flight to Mexico because I had to go to Mexico. Oh, yeah. But then also, this is on top of that, what I did is I booked my ticket mm. to leave to go to Mexico, got to the fucking airport, and I didn't have my COVID test um, in my well, you right. I went and got a COVID test. And I was waiting for it to come, mm. which means when I got to Mexico, I would have got like, um, you know, got my positive, my negative result. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the chick would not let me get on the plane. And I was like, Are you fuck. When you were, when you were leaving Oz? Yeah. Oh yeah, true. They had that when we were traveling interstate, when you were allowed to travel interstate. I, I did that. I had to travel without a, um, a fucking rat test. Yeah. Like they opened up the borders. This is one thing. And like, I can't even fucking have a lengthy conversation about COVID without it absolutely spinning me out just because it just... And I hate... It doesn't sit well with me, like what... And especially, like, and I'm not massively into politics, but I love... Like, I just thought we were goated as a country. Just mm -hmm. thought... Just couldn't do anything wrong. Everyone loves Australia. Yeah. And we're great. Mm -hmm. But I just think the government let us down and they could have done so many things to go, oh, well, there's this pandemic or fucking whatever. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of things going on. Let's protect our citizens a little bit and help them out in whatever fucking way we can. So if the rules are going to be a little bit different, we've got to go through a process of the vaccine or whatnot, then it's going to look like this, but it's going to be a lot different from the rest of the world because we are different from the rest of the world, I think, mm -hmm. as Australian people. I just, that's what I genuinely believe. And my mind was they are, um, you know, good-minded people and they will help out, you know, the Australian way, help out people where they can. That's what I fucking thought. Um, and then I saw it and like we were following suit every, everywhere else and then tripling down on it and absolutely caning the fuck out of small businesses and citizens and especially in Melbourne, but throughout the rest of the country it was because if one state gets affected, the other state will suffer as well. Yeah. And it happens. We couldn't trade really well. People couldn't holiday. You go over to WA or whatnot. Um, and then I'm looking at it midway and I thought, fuck, we are that week. It's not funny. Mm -hmm. Like other, like Sweden, fucking sweet. They opened up happy days. Yeah. Um, didn't mandate it anywhere near as much as what we did. Yeah. Plenty of countries did it and said, no, we're not going to mandate vaccines. Mm -hmm. Um, and we did it like fucking as soon as, it was, as soon as it was readily available, like we did it. Mm -hmm. Um, and there wasn't any opportunity not, no question. not to do it. Um, and so I just 
fuck, we are as weak as piss yeah. in, in that regard, just not giving people the option. Um, and I think like, looking back at it, it would have been nicer to have um, a, a period of time where there was a small opportunity for people to go, all right, I could still keep my work like, and I would love to be able to do that and then get the vaccine or not get the vaccine and just have that small choice. But that just wasn't there for anyone. It was, it went one industry after the other and we timed it like fucking really well. Like it was like construction first to go. Then they went and burned the CFMEU um, building down in Melbourne. I don't know whether you heard that. It's like the biggest union in Melbourne. And there's a lot of heavy dudes that work there. Um, fuck, the the whole union's like, they're big, big fucking looking dudes. Yeah. And you don't fuck around with them. Yeah. Uh, they went and burned that CFM, CFMEU building down there, the union, because the union's meant to say, hey, let's... Wait, is that the one where they rocked up and they start smashing shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, but they were all in it together, like both sides. Like the CFMEU like, obviously didn't want to mandate vaccines. They they weren't the people who are doing it, but they're the people who are supposedly meant to support um, the workers. And I think that some of the workers may have felt that they weren't. Um, I don't really know enough about it, but I know that happened when construction got hit and they're all in it together, both the union and their workers and trying to work it out together and kind of turn each on each other a little bit. And then it went, teachers had to get it because it was important for teachers to get it. And then they just went, they sold the dream every fucking day that one sector of the workforce had to get the vaccine because they felt like it was important. And the last one that was left, I think, I think it came out at the end that the government officials, they weren't, they didn't have to get it. Yeah, I know. Fucked. In the end. Um, which was obviously just everyone was like, oh, fuck, okay. Mm. We're getting we're getting duped a little bit maybe. Um, but yeah, hard, to- hard time for, for business in general, yeah. I, I think. But Yeah, I mean, I think the takeaway is I hope that everyone remembers like what happened. So in the next 10 years when this shit happens again, because it will. Are you comfortable talking about it? 100%. Same. And I, I, feel, I, I, feel, I feel sometimes when you have conversations with people, and I don't bring it up, but sometimes when you have conversations with people and they, you can tell they get uncomfortable about it. And most of the time, I feel like if they're getting uncomfortable about it, it's because back then they were the people that were like, you need to get vaxxed. Fuck, bro. A hundred percent. And, and, and you, you sit there and have those conversations and deep down, like, you know, fuck it. They would, they would be a lot better off as a person if they just go, fuck, I... Would I got that wrong and yeah. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have told my friend that that was a good idea. More people needed to be independently thinking um, and for something, if it were to God forsake happen again, mm-hmm. that you could go, hey, um, I'll be better equipped to make better decisions and take care of my own personal health yeah. above uh, my pay and all that yeah. sort of stuff. I mean, the takeaway is like, I mean, I'd love to just like talk about like the full detail and stuff, but like, you know, everyone has their opinions and that and that's fine. But yeah. just like all we care about is like just be not taking like the power away from like the people right like and i think that's important that hopefully if some when something like this happens again the governments just don't jump to conclusions because now we've got too much data you know of all the shit that's coming out you know of like like things not working for certain reasons or whatever it is whatever it is maybe right there's, there's data that i'm just going to put it like that um but it's a matter of like how do you treat your people also i don't want to get this episode banned by youtube <laughs> Fuck, you know, are we gonna go missing in three weeks yeah, like right. and- andrew tate and his fucking brother yeah <laughs> so um but yeah i just want like everyone to like the governments to like 
treat that people a little bit better. Yeah, and it's a, like it's such a good when something bad happens. Fuck, it's such a good opportunity for your government to go. How am I going to support the people? Yeah, this is really bad. How can we support the people and small business and community and schools and stuff like that? Like it's a good it's a line in the sand. Time you could either do one or the other, and we hundred percent didn't. Yeah. Um. But good learning curve for 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 everyone. But you just hope everyone's going to be happy and healthy for the rest of their fucking journey in life. Exactly. You know. And I mean, like, it's good that the people that did that come out of it. And there's a lot of like, yeah, hats off to the people who adapted really well in business pivoting. Some businesses fucking go from a weird ass venue to a fucking hairdresser because people yeah. are getting when the haircuts were open, get go get haircuts or turn into a takeaway business. Yeah. Um, or people start doing packaged alcohol like off using their off-premise licenses and people ringing up for like an order of a slab and dropping them off. Mm-hmm. Like innovation was quite cool. Yeah. It sparks obviously some different conversations around different businesses. Um, but there's so many businesses around that changed yeah. and pivoted. A friend of ours became a billionaire during COVID because he had this fuck game, right off. Yeah, this gaming, um, this gaming company that had been running for like seven, eight years, right, in Philippines, and um, he was like, they were growing very, very a lot of money, very, slowly, <laughs> yeah. And then, like, one of my very good friends, he actually mortgaged his house to give him more money to invest in and help him like along the lines. And then, did he get a share? And then, yeah, he's got shares in it. And then, oh, the COVID happened. Like and that. then the company just went because everyone stayed at home, right? That's again. And then yeah. he was he was going like this, like very slowly. And then COVID happened. He went, and then overnight billionaire. And now the guy's sick. Like the guy's a fucking legend. He's in WA. What a lord! Good name. He's like buying like every single fucking car. He's got this car, this brand now called Lee Collection. I think he's got like his garage in Perth now is worth twenty five to thirty million dollars. Fucking insane. just with cars and stuff. just just yeah. cars alone. He's a car head. Like he sponsors. He um, should lease them out. That's what I started doing. He sponsors Ferrari. No, because it's just his his collection. He doesn't. Give oh wow. Okay, yeah. Cool. So like he doesn't care. Like he, he yeah. bought these because he loves sport, like motorsport. Yeah. And he's doing it for it's. I mean, it's an investment as well. You know, yep. people used to you know buy Rolexes and then through that right, and then they're like it's a you know it goes up in value. But you're looking at these. They're limited edition cars as well. Yeah, okay. But he sponsors the F1, Formula One, the, yep. the uh, Ferrari's car. Oh, well, yeah, uh, wild. But he's a fucking, oh, he's a fucking yeah, dude. good on him. Yeah. That, that was obviously like two and a half years ago. Yeah. So you look what at a, that. What a lord. Yeah, man. But like, that's also hustle, right? You're yep. going, you're, you keep going and going and then luck. Yep. You know, yep. the worst thing in the world happens to the entire world. Yeah. But then being able to just like fucking finally hit. Like yeah. It's a, and there would have been a small population who got uh, in a better position yeah. for that or pivoted like super, super quickly. Yeah. Jumped on Afterpay straight away. Right, Afterpay. <laughs> I can wish I did that. Yeah. Oh. So let's go into um like, yeah, so Villa Verde. How did you get into Bali real estate here? Yeah, so that was with my friend James. He's got the Bucks. Yeah. The Bucks do, which we're joining um, or starting for him and I this afternoon. Um. So it was his idea and he's got another, uh, one of his good friends who um, he was in with it as well. And it was just outlay some capital that you have. You can't get an international loan um, from what I know. So we had to come up with cash. So we just refinanced our house. Um, well, I did from my end. Built that in 2018, then COVID Wait, hit. Did you refinance and put equity out? Yep. This is, uh, I like that because a lot of people, I don't understand that they yeah. can actually do that and then pour it into it. Yeah, I'll, I would do that every fucking day of the week. I've done that five times now and i'll i'll do it tomorrow if something popped up that i generally thought would work 
No question. Yeah. Like the money that I would take out on that, say if I had a hundred thousand in it and my loan would go up one hundred and ten dollars a week, that hundred thousand could make me more than one hundred and ten dollars a week. Hundred percent, bro. Even if I got the business fucking wrong, most of the time it would be. Um, I mean, you're looking at, if you did that in Bali, you're looking at like the $110 would turn into like probably 1000 to 1500 a week easily. Yeah. Or you could go thirds in a venue for 300 grand and make 20 grand a week. Uh-huh. Who knows? Maybe more. Um, but we built that and then COVID hit, shut down, but we had some short-term renters in it. And now that's just tick along all right. Like I think it's rented four to six days a week. Um, Which is like what? 90% occupancy? Yeah. But it, it, it yields good money. Um, so we're really, really happy with it. It'd be good to do more, um, but it's one of those things going out and just getting a loan isn't a thing. We've got we to gotta come up with the capital to do it. Yeah. Um, so Well, there's something we can talk after because I'm actually putting together this development. My parents were over here uh, for the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And um, I finally shared with my dad exactly how the real estate system works here and how good it is. Yeah. So we actually went looking for land down at Uluwatu and Bingen. Oh yeah, and cool, I've cool. Got this three villa, three bedroom um, uh, development going on. Yeah, that's something that you guys want. Yeah, well, we're we're going to do another one. We're look, we're actively looking out at the moment. So, fucking yeah, hundred percent, definitely, yeah. definitely bend your ear on it. Um, I just wish back then I got another one. It wasn't that expensive. Oh, right, bro. during COVID, man. This wasn't that expensive. Yeah. yeah. So this is pre-COVID. It wasn't that expensive, dude. Um, so I want it. I would love to keep doing that and um. Lo- would love to move into property, but it's it's a it's it's a hard, slow burning market. Um, property. He obviously is a little bit more return. And if you can get it right, yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. So like the development, what I'm doing is I'm developing a group now because I'm exiting my real estate development company because yep. I just not happy with how it's going. So I want to go out and just build everything myself. But I'm yeah. going to build this entire group. Yeah. For this reason, for family and friends only. Yeah. No, I'm not I don't want VC. Yep. I don't want anyone else. Yep. I know the market like you know, better than anyone else here. Yep. And I know how to build, construct, everything like that. I know how it runs. Yep. I know where all the hotspots are. And I know so many of my friends and family want to get involved. Yep. And like I have the trust there, right? Just getting a group of six five to six people, or maybe more, like smaller is better, but yep. you know, I think you're probably looking at six, seven hundred thousand for yep. anything. Yeah. give or take around here especially um yeah i've got like this development getting a group together is yeah. quite cool like we have a group it's yeah fun yeah it's sick as well like you know i've I'm, I'm very excited for that because helping my friends create wealth over here is is like it's fucking phenomenal you can fuck up like you can yeah. just you can not even run your villa properly here and yeah. still make 20 percent roi do you ever look at some of your friends at home and you go um because I think most people now you want good things for other people. So you look at some of your friends at home, and then you subconsciously comparing your own life because people just do that. You know, you're not doing that for any reason. It's just like, oh, what are you doing at the moment? How things are going for you? How healthy are you? And what am I doing? All that sort of stuff just goes on. But you look at some of your friends, you're like, fuck. I wish I could show you the world on a bigger scale and show you the opportunities and lifestyle opportunities. Not nothing to do with money, um, and how you could spend your days. Because like I go back at home and there's not many people that I've hung out with um, that are over here. I know two people that are over here, yourself and another lad. Um, and I always look at the lifestyle over here and especially overseas and what people can do. And you're like, fuck, the general Australian person, the nine to five that was working over there, which is totally perfect, um, has no fucking idea how big and 
beautiful the rest of the world can be and that you can live over here for a little while, a long time or a very long time. Do you often think about that with some of your friends back at home and you're like, fuck, I can share some time with you and show you the world. But yeah, I mean, it's like once you, cause everyone thinks when they come over here, it's just party, party, party. Yep. And when you understand, like I live a normal life here. Yeah. I like, you know, I have my nine to five, like in the business that we, we run. Then I've got, you know, this talk show that I'm trying to build as well. Then I want to train. I want to surf every day. Yeah. And so, and that's my lifestyle. And then if I want to go to any party that I want to, like, 10 of my friends run the best parties on the island yeah, so yeah but it's like understanding that things you can live extremely cheap here as well yeah like yeah you know you can live extremely cheap and have the best life and if you can figure out how to maybe it's because i mean a lot of people back in australia though like and friends in america now as well they have a nine-to-five job and they can't work remote and that's fine but what are you doing with your money mm. because the lifestyle here if you like just took a leap of faith and said, okay, cool. Look, every year I'm going to take this money away. I'm not going to invest it into anywhere else in my country, but I'm mm. going to put it here. Mm. Like here's, here's 10 grand, here's 50 grand. Let's build something together. Within five years, you're going to be able to have a passive income that replaces your, like replaces your, your, um, your salary. Go on again. So let's go for another. There you go. Yeah. And you know, I look at like I'm in such a fortunate position to be able to help people understand and But don't you want some of that for your friends? Say people that you grew up with or you knew when you were younger and you're like, fuck, if I could just take you over here for six months and show you that what things could be like. And not so much here, anywhere, but just take them with you and say, Fuck, I could show you a different lifestyle and I know you would love it. But getting them to actually do that. It's very hard, man. Yeah. Everyone's set in their ways, bro. Cheers, man. Like you and me are very you and me are very similar because we kind of like, we both like are running like businesses and stuff. We both kind of live this type of like, you know, healthy lifestyle and stuff like that. But the average person, like one of my best mates, you know, who's, we came up with this idea for this show uh, four years ago. He's coming over and you know, then we can shoot a bunch of like episodes. Yeah, wicked. Um, but he's extremely busy with building his own empire. Yeah, yeah. You know, and when you're so focused, I only knew about how good the real estate here was until i spent two years here and i started a development company here and i took the chance i put mm. money into a company and then only then when i took a hundred percent focus into it i learned what this place could be mm. but also before that like i learned that if you come here and you go and party all the time mm. you fucking send it mm. which 90 percent of the people do when you're here on holiday 98 Bali long term doesn't fuck with you on a good level. Mm, yeah. You end up making bad decisions. It's a small island, right? I've gone through that shit. Yeah. Whereas now, like understanding kind of where it is, is one, you need to be super routined. You need to say no to partying. Don't get FOMO. Mm. Parties here are the same every fucking week. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And so all my friends that come over here, they just want to party and have a good time. Yeah. So I don't never get the chance to show them. Yeah. Whereas Eddie, who's coming over here uh, in a couple of weeks, he doesn't want to party and he's kind of coming solo. So we get to then really, and I'm like, look, let me show you the fucking land. Yeah. My dad, my dad's been coming to Bali since the 80s, bro. Oh, true. Never fucking put money into it, right? 
What a lord, he should have bought some land. Bro, imagine, dude. I, look, I wouldn't have to work ever. <laughs> <laughs> ever. But now, like, you know, my dad's gone through, my dad's been burnt in the past with, like, purchasing real estate in, in Australia. But now, I, my most important thing, my friends are going to do what they want to do. I'm building this development now, which I just talked about. I'm going to hit my friends up. Look, I'm doing this. I would love for you to be a part of it yeah. because it's going to give me these fucking results, all right? Here's the case. But now. give him an opportunity to um, exactly to have something over here, and then maybe they go, okay, I like it over here a little bit more, and I could go share some time here, and it's just an extra thing you can open up in there, kind of. But my main everyday life, like you can't you can't enjoy the lifestyle unless you your lifestyle allows you to enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. So if you've got a nine to five, you're not going to enjoy it. Yeah. Because you can't live. You can't just. I mean, no, no company. If you've been nine to five in the office forever, yeah, you're be, you're just bound by. Never going to be able to do remote. Yeah, right. Yeah, but tell me in Australia where you can put money into something because not everyone can, not everyone can put money into a nightclub or a bar, right? Because oh, fuck not, no, I wouldn't even recommend it. Exactly either. right. The most safest way to build wealth mm. is real estate, and yeah. the highest ROI in the world yeah. is here. Yeah. It would have to be. And it's not slowing. You're getting, you're going to get minimum 20%. If you build, like, if you jump into this development, which I'm doing now, my figures, because I'm doing everything at cost price. So everyone who's putting money into it just gets at a cost price. There's no, like, developer thing on it. You're going to be getting 30 to 40%. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. It's fucking huge. Like, that's an average person makes, uh, you know, 10%. Like ROI, yeah. give it to a fucking yeah. like your superannuation, like whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. all that shit. I'm giving you four years of growth in one year, mm. and then we have a ten year exit plan, and then you end up like we end up selling for double the amount. Yeah, I'm 100 keen on having a chat. Like I said, we got ours. We want to get one more. Wish we done one years ago. Yeah, but yeah. This shit fucking annoys me when you're trying to be like a fucking life coach. And you're just doing the same dumb shit talking about what's this guy talking about? Behavior, self-love, nobody, relationship, doctors, emotion, work. And he gets like zero views. Who's this lad? This guy just messaged, um, I won't say his name on camera, my creative director. And just like the message he was just, I think he was f***ing to, um, I just said your name. (laughs) Just bleep it out. I just, um, he, wait, listen to this, bro. Tell me, tell me. I just vaped in here as well, FYI. Sorry about that. That's that, right? Hey, brother. Thank you for the message. And um, I would love to to connect with, with Western Creative. That's precisely who I'm, I'm wanting to connect with, if you have anyone in mind. And also curious to know, what kind of content are you really interested in? What's sort of the, the vision or the impact that you want to create in the next six months? would love to hear it. I'll be in Bali for a year, and I'm certainly looking for creators that want to make a positive impact and connect people with their heart, spread more love and positivity in the world. Those are the types of... Oh, it's hard not to um, throw up. It's hard not to dive in there and start just saying things that aren't that positive <laughs> and just have a laugh. Because you don't want to do that at someone else's expense, but you could. So this is the type of people... I mean, this is... Uh, uh, so this is the people who've been in Bali, just rocked up here, man. And they like... They just try Like to be- Disneyland for them, yeah? It's like, yeah, but they're all fucking life coaches, bro. Mm. Like, they're all life coaches trying to make an impact and stuff. It was like, you guys make no fucking money. Why? No one wants to fucking buy your shit. Mm. 
like and like Bali's renowned for this. So these people will be like, well, I mean, I think this guy is talking about like he helps guys, you know, master their lives and stuff like that. But I'm like, I think that there was a bit of that craze going on in um, Oz where like people would reach out to you and they would life coach you and that. I remember having someone ask me that. Yeah. And I fucking, this is no shit, lovely guy, but I don't reckon he was employed uh, six months before he'd spoken to me about this because he used to come into my cafe and he would do uh, promoter work for a, a nightclub and that was his job. So he would go there with DJs and drink alcohol and stuff. And then like six months later, he reached out to me and see whether he wanted to life coach me. And like, fuck, God bless him. Like, go out and go and go for the top and like try to hit as many big people as you can or whatever. But the first question... But I was like, fucking Christ. Yeah. Like, I can't, couldn't, I wouldn't want you to make my lunch for me at the moment. No shit. We hit dude like, <laughs> this island has got so many, like, I mean, they call themselves digital nomads, but... I yeah, it'd like... be everywhere. You'd see it all the time. I don't because I'm, I'm not here enough. My exposure is like... Like I said, here for 12 days, take one Saturday night off work and then go, go home. I want the best for everyone, but don't go teach shit that you've never done yourself. Yeah, it's also work. Yeah. Fucking course to go teach another course. Don't tell me. Don't fuck. <laughs> don't DM. Bro. Yeah. 100. Or do. But it's just how, and this guy here, like, fucking, he's like one of the best videographers and creative directors, like, on the island. Yeah. He's the reason why, like, the goats. Yeah, he's a goat, man. He's the reason why Body Factory is, was fucking got so much fame because he fucking used to create all the contact and the fucking the out of control. Yeah, bro. And this was back in two. Like branding wise, everyone I know goes there, and the, like, don't get me wrong, it's a good gym and the layout's good, and it's in a very, very good spot. Yeah, fucking cool. Um, but the marketing reach is like yeah, to the edge of the earth, like right. in Geelong. Yeah, like that's where it is for us. Right. Fucking do it. Everyone hears about it. Yeah. But I hate it because, the I mean, the gym for me is it's like it's too small. Yeah. Like you go in, and it's kind of like it feels like body body factory to me feels like they've got they they basically picked up a couple of things and just tried to put it together in a small space. Yep. And like I went in there, I was like, hey, maybe I'm gonna stop training where I'm training. I'm like, I want to go change. And I thought, look, body factory is a great recovery. Mm. Um. I know everyone goes there. Maybe it's going to be good for networking. But yeah. so I had to go to tour. I walked through there and I felt fucking claustrophobic. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I've only got this amount for like these weights. And yeah. I go into the leg side. I'm like, this. And I'm like, ah. Just lock on. Heaps, heaps of crew taking, um, yeah. taking photos and shit like that in there. Yeah. Bro, always, bro. Yeah. yeah it's wild. One yeah. of my mates. And I've said this on an episode before. Which is good. God bless as well. Do whatever you want. Yeah. But it is, it's fairly that going on. Um, I'll, I'll show you a video after this. Um, so our friend Nicholas is fucking huge fitness influencer. The guy is like, he's a fucking really good dude. Probably one of the best guys on the island. Um, massive fucking shredded. Uh, but he does some funny videos. And he did one of... Uh, like going what the gyms are like these days and he has to like it's mission impossible think of mission impossible music and he sees one camera in a gym and then he's like trying to creep through like a laser oh yeah what a go yeah, three, yeah. Sees another one funny and like it's just like that all the time but even yeah. today i was at the gym i was fucking training legs and this chick next to me was setting up the phone just like in the little area yeah, yeah. and you, like you you kind of weird it out because you're like you're training or whatever and you're like conscious about hurting their like video yeah <laughs> like, yeah am yeah, i yeah. your video yeah. like you know 
And you're like, I would, I would love it if it was for uh, for your posture and technique, but it's fucking not. <laughs> but kudos if you're a film, film if you're a fitness influencer, oh, sweet, go for yeah. it. Absolutely, yeah. go for gold. I got nothing against that at all. Like, I'll do one gym pick. Yeah. Did you? That's one thing I've never done, bro. I always, I don't know why. Like, I um, I jam one up, and I'm I'm not on the gram too much, like a little bit. But I'll do like I'll go there. It's a fucking huge part of uh, of my day, and I I'll go there sometimes twice. So I will bang up one pick when I'm there, um, and it, it's not it's not a habit thing at all. I just want to when I'm there. I feel happy. Uh, I feel like I'm always very mentally uh, happy, and so I'm quite grateful for that. My base level of happiness is quite high. Fucking super fortunate for that. Um, and won't discount the lesser. Like I'm, I'm very happy. So I'll go there, and I know going to the gym supports that. Um, like it fosters a good environment for me to be happy. So I'll go there, and I'm on cloud nine. I'm doing what I need to, which allows me to perform in work. Going to the gym all the time. So I go there, and I'm like, fuck it. I'm getting at it. I bang up a pick, and it's fucking for me. And I'm there, and it represents me going to there, which therefore helps everything else that I'm doing. I fucking smash it out. Couldn't give a fuck who's watching as well. Um, but yeah, I, being that space of like putting it up and then uh, maybe putting some fucking music on it and like putting TNT and Thunder and all, yeah. or just whatever the fuck um, to make it look better than what it is. I couldn't give a fuck if I put a picture of myself like looking down, you know, the shit view, yeah. maybe like that. Yeah. I could give a fuck if it's that. <laughs> but just being there, being in that space uh, and pausing for a moment is, is good. I, I don't mind that. Yeah. I want to talk about this because um, we're going to wrap up the episode very soon. But one thing I did want to talk to you about is your fitness because, okay, you're extremely busy. You got so much shit going on. You're in the nightclub scene, you know, the hospitality scene, which comes with it is usually a lot of late nights, yeah. all those types of things, right? Yeah. However, you're probably one of the most shredded, shreddedest dudes like that I know. You're extremely. Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't go that far, but okay, I'll, I'll take it. Don't worry you about are, that. bro. You I'll are. I'll take man. it. <laughs> I remember when we. Thank, first, thank you, though. When we first met, bro, I was like, "Fuck, I need to get. I need to start fucking doing more cardio." <laughs> right. Um, Love that. But appreciate that. Thank you. Welcome, bro. Uh, but your fitness. So, like, can you take us through like your fitness regimen because you're extremely healthy and um, you are an athlete as well, but. That make that plays a big part in your mindset and your you know your positivity and just like your yep. well being. Yeah. Can you take us through you know kind of what your routine is like, your yeah. nutrition and stuff like that? Yeah. Well? Yeah. Sure. Um, well, uh, like in a um, a, an overall thing, like consistency is key with everything. So whatever the fuck you're doing, um, with my fitness, always making sure that. I'm consistent in being there is what everyone's goals are. And um, a lot of people have a big weekend then they'll miss the gym. Mm-hmm. It's like the cardinal sin. Um, and then you eat shit food as well. And you've just loaded yourself with like 3,000 calories. Bad fucking calories too. And then the next day you feel shit so you eat more. Um, so I will always make sure, it doesn't matter what I'm doing, if I'm, if I'm out late at night, I'm fucked hypothetically. Like I don't get too hammered, FYI. But if I'm having a big night and I'm out late, um, even if I get up at 4am, I will still make sure that I train. And it might be like trying to be good to yourself. It might be a really light session, but always making sure that I'm training regardless. Having a rest day is important, but getting six days a week in, um, I like doing for me. 
like it works for me. It's all about everyone's lifestyle, I guess. Um, but one other thing that I did, like I'm Vejo. So I've been Vejo for eight years now. Um, and like, I think my ex-partner, she was a, a, a dietitian and um, we did it for 30 days, liked it. My skin got clear. I was fighting back then. So I found my training was like my cardio was getting really high. So I was able to keep training being vegetarian and I fucking couldn't work out why. And she was like, look, it's key to nutrition is variety. So you go out and have a palmy. Hypothetically, there's just anyone, right? Palming chips, salad, there's three food groups there and the salad probably got two or three, onion, lettuce, avocado, whatever. Um, I have to go out and eat and I have to have something completely different to that. So I have to have a fucking Vegio burger, whatever. The patty's probably got 10 vegetables in it. Plus, there's an egg in it for my protein. Then the carb is a bun. Um, then you've got lettuce, tomato, onion there. Then I've got chips as a side, which is another um, carb and vegetable. Um, and then you might have something else. All of a sudden, I've hit 14, 15 food groups off one meal. So she was like, because we got really fit really quickly. And I'm not pledging it to everyone. Do whatever the fuck you want to. Um, but I felt better straight away and started going running with that and that allowed me to train a little bit longer so i would add in so i always do my morning session regardless i think out of your 24 hours like i couldn't care what you're doing or where you're at in your personal life but if you can set aside 30 minutes to 45 minutes a day um as some sort of exercise whatever it is if it's slow walking um if it's walking with a friend or your mom or your partner, fuck whatever, <laughs> or going to the gym, it doesn't matter the scale of it. That's relevant. But doing that six days a week in your 24 hours of a day um, is arguably, the for me, the most important thing that you could do. Um, and then I enjoy ramping it up a bit. I don't obsess about it and go ham like a, a, a bodybuilder kind of needs to. Um, uh, to be stage ready and all that sort of stuff like i'm nowhere near that but i like going and thinking about it's going to set up my day 100 percent, and i'll be a fraction of a version of myself if i don't go so i'm just going to go and if it's a shit session and i'm tired fuck it you got to do it like i've been at the gym at one in the morning because i've been tired and i haven't had a chance to go because of work i'm like fuck it i can always get that and i'll sleep a little bit extra tomorrow like fuck it it's not going to kill me and if it does fuck well i'm doing something i like but I'm happy to add in my extra sessions maybe two or three times a week in the evening and that's through football. So um, my morning gym in a nutshell and then two or three times a week I have evening sessions but they're more things that I like. Mm -hmm. uh, but just keep hitting repeat on that. Like everyone is fucking busy. Like the argument of being busy for me just isn't strong enough. Because you could say that for anything and you could sell it to fucking the person that you're talking to. Yeah. I'm too busy to, you know, share time with these people that are, or these friends that I've loved for a long time. I'm too busy to do that. Oh, fuck, I've got to work on. Or I'm too busy to start another business. Um, or I'm too busy to go to the gym. Um, well, they're, they're all answers. They lead you down the fucking golden path. Like, you have to stop. If you want to do something and whatever the fuck that is, um, you need to sacrifice not a lot, just a little bit. And then be consistent about sacrificing um, on your week to week and backing up good weeks. Um, plus, it makes you happy. Like, if you're going to the gym enough during the week, like, you generally are a happier person and the best version of yourself. Especially you miss that gym session Saturday and you go out with the boys and you're having a big night out. And then that Sunday, 
you might have some good times where you're reflecting on the night before, but as a general, you're nowhere near as happy as you are when you had that good session, you felt good. Yeah. Um, sharing that with a, with a friend or whatnot. Um, so for me, just keep building that into your week and being consistent. Uh, I do think there's something in vego though, but I fucking, I couldn't put the science behind it too much. Yeah. But being vego, like, fuck, it makes you lean enough at the moment, I think, personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that must build your discipline, though, in, in that respect, because you're always still, even though you're busy, mm-hmm. always just figuring out, because it's not just about health. It's always about, okay, I've, I've finished at 1 a.m., let me go do a quick session, because then I'm like, I've been doing a lot of research in the last three, four months about looping. And so the average person... What is this? Go on. I'm so, intrigued. So the average person loops on a day-to-day basis, which means you wake up and then you go shower, you brush your teeth, you go have breakfast, you go to work, you take the same transport, you're stuck in traffic, mm-hmm. get to work, see the same people, you might do lunch with the same people, then you go to work, back to work, and then you finish, you get home, you might go to the gym, and then you go sit down tired probably watch a movie or something like that and then you loop and then the next day you do the exact same thing Mm. and so with the average person everybody if you ask everyone if you didn't have to worry about money what would you do and it wouldn't be what they're doing right now yeah if they are doing what they are right now they probably say this but then also that yeah yeah and so people get stuck in this thing of saying i'm too busy i don't have time for this thing so what i've been studying is okay if you're in a loop but you want to be here, but you'll just keep on going around. If mm-hmm. you're doing the same thing, your life's never going to change, no yep. matter how much you focus on this. Yep. So what I learned is that one, kind of what you're doing is unlooping yourself is that you're always making sure you're getting to the gym. And sometimes, most of the time it's you know, in the morning, but those times that you do have to work late, you're still going to the gym. Right? Yeah. Yep. So you're not saying I'm too busy or I've finished. I'm still going out of my comfort zone to go smash the gym at 1am. Yeah. And that when you wake up, yeah, sure, you're going to wake up a couple of hours later, but you've broken your system on yeah. how you think. And so what I've been researching is that if a person just decides to wake up one half an hour earlier than what they have been, yep. they will have half an hour to be able to write in a journal, yep. give time to themselves, yep. meditate, and just think well, it's about... On the pro- it's on the profit side because exactly. it's outside of your general work. Exactly. Yeah. And that alone, that 30 minutes that you could read a new book Yep. You could read something that is going to change the way you think just in 30 minutes, taking the time out for you. And you think, this is my selfish time. Yep. When people start doing that and there's data to prove that this happens, when you take that 30 minutes alone, starting off very easy, yeah. half an hour earlier, you then start to change the way you think and way you perform throughout the day mm-hmm. over time. Mm-hmm. And you're now changing the loop because the loop has changed. The loop, instead of going in a circle, is now starting to be like oblique. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's starting to go change. It's starting to get out of It's board. a fucking, it's an, uh, a nice way to, yeah, like, when you talk about it and listen to it. Because hmm. it is right. But if you're subtracting half an hour from the night time, yeah. productivity is low at the night time. What the fuck is anyone doing? Exactly. Most of the time you're scrolling by accident. I do it all the time, yeah. just without even knowing. You, you shave that half an hour off, plus it into the morning. Yeah. I've got this method. It's called the bullseye method. I, I, set, I made a video about it for our company. And it's, it's based on three areas of our life. Yeah. You got the circle. So think of a bullseye playing darts, yeah. right? In the middle, the red, is you. It's your power. So I call it the power zone. The next one around 
is your comfort zone. And the next one around that is your distraction zone. Yeah, yeah. So everyone runs, the average person runs like this, right? You've got your power zone, which is you, mm-hmm. but your distraction zone is out here. Mm-hmm. Then your comfort zone is here. And then your power zone is like that, mm. right? And so the idea about it is what I explain is that we, every single day, I want everyone who watches this, take your Instagram app inside your phone and your TikTok, put it on the last page. Fucking heard this last night for the yep. first time in my life. This is, I swear yep. on my mum's life. And I've tried this, right? So I did this and I fucking realized an- that- Anxiety attack? No, no, no. What happens is my self-awareness kicks in, unlooping myself. Because what I'm doing is that when I'm working during the day or I'm doing anything, I'll randomly pull my fucking phone out for no reason and I'll go straight to Instagram. And when I change, put my, when I put the Instagram from the yeah. front page to my back page, yeah. I realize that I automatically do this dumb shit and I go and then I go to click on Instagram, it's not there. And I'm yeah. like, wait, why am I going here? But and- you're, you're, only, you're only accepting that because it's not there. Otherwise, exactly. hit it. So then I started realizing, okay, well, I have a problem. Yeah. I'm going to Instagram for no reason, just to scroll, right? Yeah. So the idea about the bullseye method is what is a distraction? Distraction is uh, scrolling on Instagram for no reason, right? It's Netflix and chill. It's yeah. toxic relationships. How between- fucking dangerous is it to think that you just like, you get 24 hours in a day, however many minutes that is, and you absorb them on Instagram. And I do it willingly and I'm fucking cool with it at yeah. the moment. I sit very well with it. I'm okay with it. But it is alarming thinking about it that you're putting that time aside yeah. out of the very fucking little time you have on the planet. Yeah. But it, it all goes... It's fucking scary though, isn't it, bro? What do you think about it? The average person, and I found the data for this, the average person... I don't want to hear it. ...who watches TV and scrolls on social media a day is seven hours. Can you comprehend that? Seven hours out of your 24-hour day... So are we outliers then? Yeah. Because n- not you and I personally, just people in Australia, are they outliers and they use it a small amount and everyone else is blowing the fuck out of it? Or, or are we on our phone? America, Australia, all the first world countries. Yeah. Yeah. And so so this is, but this is going back. I could see it happening, but I yeah. just wanted to draw some context. Yeah. Like, is it us? So this is going back to the bullseye method, right? So we're all distracted by... Um, other people's shit we're getting entertainment from other people right so then if we're distracted like that we don't have our own power so what i what i in this video and in, in what the bullseye method is how to get your power back really to get everything that you want and to live the life eventually how you want to do yep. number one focus on you and yourself and change the way you think and how you do this in a simple way is one get up 30 minutes earlier mm-hmm. two read 10 for 10 minutes of a book Three, meditate. And four, start to change these little things like the little apps that you use every day and yeah. put them somewhere else so yeah. that you build self-awareness. Yeah. Those four things do not take any hours out of your life, any minutes. Yeah. It just changes the way you think. And then what happens is now that you start to grow and you start to learn these new things and way and become aware, what you actually want, I also have manifestation in there. I was like really figuring out what you want when yeah, you're happy. Yeah. But then when you start- Love well, a good manifesting. Yeah, not? 100%. Have to. But then that power starts growing mm. and your comfort zone starts expanding because now you're like, okay, well, I've learned this, which means I'm going to 
figure out more how to do that. Yeah. I'm not going to make it. Dis- I'm not going to make an excuse that I'm busy. Yeah. I'm going to go see this person, or I'm going to go do this thing, and then now you're starting to get busier for you, which is great. Yeah. And because now you're starting to get busier, you're starting to get more power, which means more confidence. Your comfort zone is expanding. And this means that your distraction zone doesn't expand. Yeah. It, it decreases. It's just like I said, it sounds like from, from, from hearing, but like a good base level of productivity. Uh-huh. Like just not letting the, um, you know, idle hands. Yeah. Not letting the world just take you in a direction where you may not need to go, which is fucking everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Sweet man. So I think we can end I think we can end that there, man. Like Yeah, fuck. Thank you so much for coming on, bro. Nah, for the time out. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And uh it was good to catch up with you. I um I I do envy you being over here and I remember when we uh when we met, which was actually over here, mm-hmm. uh and look back watching you uh be here and I was like, fuck. It would be something that I want to do in the in the near future, but having um having someone over here you 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 almost look up to you're here and doing the thing that a lot of other people want to do over here so it's admirable and and, and in your corner on it as well right in your corner i mean it's it's taken four years to get here so yeah i mean it's just about just keep on pushing and, yeah. and keep yeah. on figuring it out but so let's end this episode with okay you gave this a nine out of ten before the tequila yeah. what would you what would you rate it now fuck it's getting better and i've got to slow down because i um i've got dinner tonight like i don't drink usually early afternoon so it's actually getting a lot easier and easier to drink as you go yeah so still a nine out of ten yeah i got, got a 9.5 yeah i rated nine nine at the start on the first sip i would have rated it slightly lower because um it was my first alcoholic drink and <laughs> what the smell that came in um was really nice so that's why I'd give it you know, a little bit more than um, a standard um, tequila because, um, again, like I said, I don't drink volume of tequila. So when I have it, I'm like, okay, well, we're on here. Uh, it was a fucking easy drink to drink outside of late night. Yeah. Like you could have that at, at most times with meals or whatever, whatever the fuck you're doing on a weekend, 100%. Yeah. yeah. I want to have another one now, but i got to kind of slow up a little bit. We'll have one after this one. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do all right, awesome. Thank you. So Cheers, much. bro. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Mad love, man. Thanks for having me. And thank you for everyone for watching. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. Go like and subscribe if you love drinking tequila with friends. And on the next episode, we've got a very special guest coming on as well. We've got a beautiful tequila that has a great story. So make sure you guys like and subscribe to take note of the best tequila show in the world. Welcome to Tequila High Club. Adios.